Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to the Totally Driven Entertainment Radio Network. In the future, none of you are heroes. You're legends. Get driven. Stay driven. Welcome to a brand new edition of Pro Wrestling Now and More with your host, Magic Mike Ferrara, episode number 107. How the hell are you? Are you guys ready tonight? Are you ready to rock 
and roll. Uh, I'm excited because tonight, in just a little bit, I'm going to have my good friend. He is a former state athletic commissioner and a former referee. He's worked for WWF. He's been all over. He's did indie scene and everything. He is the great Billy. We're going to be talking to him. Billy Caputo is 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 a great great guy, and uh, I can't wait to talk to Billy coming up. But before we get to the great Billy Caputo, I just want to tell you guys, welcome to a, a brand new edition to Pro Wrestling Now and More with Magic Mike Ferrara, number one hundred and seven right here on Totally Driven Radio Entertainment Network. We have the best lineups. Um, so that's what we're going to be doing. Uh, that's what we're going to be doing tonight. But uh, you guys need to check out Totally Driven Radio Entertainment Network for all your, your Totally Driven needs. All you have to do is just go to Totally Driven TV. That's it. It's so simple. And easy. And also, if you guys want to hear our our broadcast, all you have to do to now, Spreaker, iTunes, set it up, and we'll knock it down. Well, I see that we have the man of the hour on on the line. Let's get to him. I believe this is Mr. Billy Caputo, and uh, you guys out there, seven one eight five zero eight nine eight eight three is the number for tonight. But right now, let's go to the phone lines. Hello, is this Mr. Hello, Mike. Billy Caputo? Hello, Mike. How are you? All right, Billy. How are you? I'm ter- I am absolutely terrific. I'm thrilled to be here talking with you. I haven't seen you in a while, but I talk to you on the phone pretty regular. And I'm ver- I'm so happy to be on your podcast. I've- this is the first one for me. I've well, done thank interviews, you, Mr. Of Billy. And- yes. Yes. I I was going I was going to say thank you for being on my podcast. Um, you know, I've I've had referees on my podcast, but I I never had a referee that's a friend of mine. So it's kind of like a family, you know. Oh sure, why not? Can you hear right, me? So right? let's let's uh let I was going to say let's start off um let's start off uh, the interview process. Uh, well, first of all, how have you been do How how are you, and how how how's everything? I'm just I'm just great. I, I'm terrific. I you know, <laughs> I'm better than ever, better than ever, health wise and 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 conscious wise, and I'm I'm so relaxed. Uh, you know, we can go a little bit in the background. You know, I I refereed all around the world for 27 years. When I retired from refereeing in 2003. I got a job with the New York State Athletic Commission as a professional wrestling inspector. In all of New York State, there was no inspector, and they have hundreds, a couple of hundred of them, but no one had any kind of a background in professional wrestling. So a lot of the shows, a lot of the wrestling shows that they had, the inspectors and the wrestlers, there would be a lot of problems. The wrestlers, the, the uh, inspectors really didn't know what the, uh, the job entailed or, you know, how to get into that wrestling business. I had a wrestling mind, and uh, I knew exactly what it was all about, and I was very comfortable seeing all my old friends again and stuff. 
working in a different capacity, not doing, you know, getting in the ring or anything, but uh, working on the outside and working with the wrestlers, make sure that everything was safe for them, uh, making sure they got paid. There was a lot of questions about promoters, uh, not, you know, not legitimate promoters and, and these professional wrestlers. Remember, you know, whether whether you're on the WWE or the, or the NWA or the AWA, whatever, all these independent shows, everybody had to be licensed by the New York State Athletic Commission. And it was my job to oversee that. I was more like the shop steward than anything else, making everybody comfortable. It was a great job. It was, it was great doing that. I did it for 15 years. And just this past, I, did, I retired from that after 15 years of doing that. And then I, I was asked, the, there was a franchise starting here on the East Coast, uh, going out of New Jersey, New York, and Connecticut, uh, they bought into the franchise of the NWA, the oldest uh, wrestling alliance ever, and they asked, they approached me and asked me if I'd be their commissioner, working for them, working at some of their shows and, and laying out what was going on. I did a couple of shows for them. I uh, We've only had a couple of shows since then. I spoke with the crowd. I spoke with the people. I got a tremendous reception. Uh, you know, you really don't know how big the wrestling world goes. Thanks to, you know, programs like yours and there's different other inside information and, and stuff like that. There's, there's, there's the uh, YouTube and everything else that promotes you. I'm still on television. I'm on uh, the WWE Network when they do the – W, uh, Madison Square Garden, Wrestling Classics. I'm on that quite often. So people knew who I was. They remembered who I, you know, what I did, if I did a good job, if I entertained them a lot. And very surprising, uh, I'm one of those referees, thank God, that people remembered. Whether, you know, I'm not bragging whether I was the best of it or not, but I was certainly memorable according to the reception that I get. So helping. Oh, come on, Billy, you're bragging. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. A little. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Billy Caputo. No, this is this is great, Billy. Um, what do you call? It? You know, you you talked about that you're on the network. You're on Prime Time Wrestling as well. You know, because over yes. the years they did a lot of they did a lot of shows at Madison Square Garden, and and you did referee. Uh, we're gonna get into that. Um, you know, in, the, in just a sec, but um. I just want to talk to you for a little bit about the startings. Um, now I know. Now I told, as I told my fans out there, I told everybody that listens to the podcast that you and I went out to lunch a couple. Well, we went out to lunch at one time, and we talked about the, the beginnings of how you got into wrestling. But um, you were a wrestling fan growing up. Oh yes, of course. When I was going to high school. In the early 60s, well, even before that, my grandfather, of course, from Italy, was a huge wrestling fan. He loved Antonino Rocca. He loved Bruno Wrestling, you know, even before them, uh, you know, he was one of the first ones to get the little six-inch Filco televisions. And we'd go to his house on Sundays, my grandfather, my grandparents' house. My grandfather would plop us down uh you know, for whatever wrestling was on, if it was on a, on a Sunday night or if it was on Monday or, or whatever days, you know, I, we'd get a call, come on over, Billy, there's wrestling on TV. 
my father, believe it or not, my father, it's it like skipped a generation. My grandfather loved the wrestling. My father didn't like that so much. He liked football. He was a football player growing up. He wasn't into the wrestling too much. So when my grandfather said, come on over, come on over, it was always me twisting my father's arm to take me over there. Now, that's the early 60s. I'm, I'm only like 15, 16 years old. And uh, then we went to high school, and very surprising, talking with other students and my friends that, that I made there, they were all interested in wrestling. And we used to go almost every Monday night. We, we'd skip our homework and stuff and travel off to Madison Square Garden. There was a whole group of us. There was up to eight of us at one time. We'd buy tickets and, and go to the wrestling shows. Of course, I'd bring my grandfather with me. But we saw a lot of the shows. I was a huge wrestling fan. We had a little group in high school where everybody, uh, you know, pretended to be somebody. I, uh, I had friends, you know, that wanted to be Bruno Sammartino. They wanted to be a handsome Johnny Barron or the magnificent Maurice or even Ricky Starr. And oh my goodness! And but my favorite was always Buddy Rogers. I, you know, I'd go around and, matter of fact, and you know, in high school they would start calling me Buddy because I had the I had long blonde hair all my life. I still have the blonde hair. And it looked like Buddy Rogers. So, they, you know, that was a, a natural call me Buddy, you know, all that. And then uh, when it came, it came a point in my life where um, I was working for the city of New York. And I, I originally came from New York. I came from the, uh, there. And uh, we went. I got hurt on the job. I was a structural iron worker. I got hurt on the job. So I had to take a little time off. I was a little, I was a little bit disabled and recuperating. And talking it over with my wife and the family, well, you know, the thing was, well, you don't want to sit around the house and do nothing. You want to be a little stagnant. So I went. I found out where the New York State Athletic Commission was, and I went there looking for a job. Not anything at all in particular, just to stay involved with sports, but they presented me an opportunity. They said, we're looking for referees for New York State for professional wrestling. I said, wow, this is absolutely great, right up my alley. I started going uh, to local shows. I was watching, you know, how wrestlers worked and stuff. Then they assigned me to uh, Sunnyside Garden. The agent at the time at Sunnyside Garden was Gene, was Gorilla Monsoon, and, you know, who we all call Gino. Robert Morella was Gorilla Monsoon. And uh, he said, all right, listen, we're going to try you out. I was green. Uh, so to speak, because I, I had never done it before. And I refereed one match. And again, they th- it, was, it was a very simple match. It was Kevin, Kevin Sullivan against Manuel Soto. And, you know, you never forget your first time. And the match sure. went on. The match um, went on to like 15 minutes. There was uh, a lot of false finishes and stuff, which I learned about. And I learned everything that I could have at, at this time within the first 15 minutes. When the match was over, uh, the wrestlers went downstairs. They told Gorilla Monsoon because he wanted to know how, how this kid make out. And, cause, you know, if, if you, you'd be surprised how many referees would screw up a match. Uh, again, not bragging, but I didn't screw up this match. I've screwed up matches in some instances, <laughs> which, of course, I thought I was right. But, you know, in the, in the long run, no, you do what you're told, and it, it changed a little you know, when a guy has his yeah. shoulders down and you count one, two, and he kicks out, okay, that's, that's what we call the false finish. But if you're told that that's not the finish, 
and I go down and I I count one, two, and the guy still has his shoulders down, whether he forgot or really got hurt, I count to three. And once you do that, now the match is over. Everybody's seen you count to three, and I signal for the bell. And a couple of times, a couple of instances, thank God, not major matches. Not, you know, these are more more in the preliminary things, and mostly it was wrestlers that were just learning out. But they jump up and holler and scream. You know, that's not supposed to happen. You know, don't, don't count. It's not supposed to go that way. But unfortunately, it went that way and because of me. But I learned and, and I listened. I got pretty good at what I was doing within four, I'm going to say four months, as much as, as early as four months into it. I was approached by Arnold Scolan. Again, this is this in New York. It was the WWE at the time. Vince McMahon's father ran the show. But you have agents. Even to this day, you have agents that cover all the yep. local shows and even Madison Square Garden and everything, as you know. And they said, you know, Billy Caputo is very good. He listens. He moves around. He doesn't get in the wrestler's way. He doesn't take any part of the show away addressing it to me. You know, remember, the guys, you know, even to this day, the motto is, there isn't one person in the world that buys a ticket to a wrestling show to see the referee. He wants to see the wrestlers. He wants to see the wrestlers perform. So they liked me. They liked the way I, I started working with them. In four months, they were they were booking me and paying for my traveling and everything like that. At the time, going up and down the East Coast because the WWE now was starting to spread out a little bit. They had shows in Washington, D.C. They had shows in Philadelphia. They had shows down in Florida. And as long as, you know, I had the time available from my job, I would go on weekends, Fridays, Saturdays, Sundays. They put me on a plane and we'd go. And that started it off. And towards the end or even in the middle of my career from then on, I went around the world four times. I've been to Singapore, Japan, uh, oh, my God, the Philippines, Korea, England, France, oh. Italy. I've done it all. I was, I was back now- I was going to ask you a question about it. You said that you went to Madison Square Garden as a kid. Uh, what, was it, what was it like working in Madison Square Garden? The very first time I ever worked in Madison Square Garden was, like I said, you never forget <laughs> your first matches. It was Johnny Rivera. I, I, oh, not talk. Oh, my goodness. I'm, see? I, all right. I'm getting old now. I forgot the guy's name. Oh, Rocky Tomeo. The very first match, it was, oh, my God, it was exciting. Because as soon as I walked into the, getting into the ring, walking up those steps, and I studied Bruno Sammartino, he would always walk up the steps and stay at the top and hold on to the, there's a bar that's on the end of the ring post in Madison Square Garden. And he'd stand there and he'd hold the bar and he'd look out over the crowd. Well, I did this my first time copying him. I stood there, and everybody in the place booed me. I was booed like crazy. But they didn't know who the hell I was. I was my first time, you know. But I loved wow. it. I loved it. I do the first yeah. bout, and of course, it it was terrific. You know, I, it was so the adrenaline in you and and everything was absolutely great. Also now, and then they put me in for a second bout because they, again, you're, you're trying out, you know, in front of everybody. But they said, you're good enough that Vince McMahon Sr. came up and said, do you want to try another bout? I said, of course I do. 
and they put me in with well now it he was uh, Beppo Mongol. He was you know now he's he's um, the big Russian guy, Big Joe. You know I uh, what's his name? Um, I forget his name. But he was managed by Lou Albano. So now now I'm in the match and I'm interacting with a huge huge wrestler, a, a big name guy. And of course he was getting what we called the push. Eventually he was going to fight Bruno Sammartino, you know, down the line into the garden. But hmm. I, I had a deal with uh, Lou Albano, who was managing him at the time, Nikolai Nikolai Volkov at the time, and I'm a, I was I was 200 pounds and he was 380 pounds, so there you know it was a big oh. difference with that. But I but again you know it's a thrill you never forget. Um, I I uh, what do you call? It? I went and I got I got a list of referees uh, from the WWF or E referees is to talk about. And it's so funny. You're on, you're, you're like number four on this list. Um, so number one is we really Weber. Yeah. He was out of Pennsylvania. So, you know, he started, he, he was doing it for years and years. He was before the television, the regular television series. And he did, he did Philadelphia and he did Washington. He was retiring at the time, and I kind of took his place in Washington. In Washington, they used to do the shows in um, the Capitol Center in Landover, Maryland. Then they called that Washington. Wow. And I and I took his place. They had me down there, and again, you know, and it wasn't long after that that they put me on television. I was on television all throughout the eighties. Uh, myself and Dick Worley. They had a whole bunch of other referees that they would fill in and put in and stuff, local people and everything. But it was Dick Worley and myself. Uh, Dick Worley didn't travel too much. He stayed pretty much in his area. And I was free to travel. It just worked out that way. And from there, like I said, they, they sent me all over the place. Well, that, that, that's, that's great, you know. Um, you know. You know, getting into, into some of the referees, uh, Dick Worley was a big name. Dick Crow was a big name as well. Dick Crow, Dick Crow was there, the WWE top referee for years and years, and you know, great guy. All these guys, every everybody, you know, you can't say nothing bad about anybody. They all they all became friends of mine. I run into right. Dick Crow a lot now. We go to the shows, and especially when I was doing the inspecting. And I would do the inspecting at Madison Square Garden, Nassau Coliseum, before they closed, but now they're open again. Um, uh, the Mid-Hudson Civic Center, Westchester uh, Civic Center, you know. Dick Crow lives in that, in that area, the upstate area there, and he would come to the shows. And we'd work together many times at Madison Square Garden. But again, in New York and with the WWE, and which is the fair way to do it, how long you've been there, how long you've been working with the company, there was a seniority aspect of it. So I'm the new guy. I'm getting an awful lot of work. I'm getting a lot of air miles and stuff. But these guys have worked with them for a long time. The problem was they didn't do that much traveling. You know, they like to stay in their area. Dick Worley traveled a lot. He was some, uh, Not Dick Worley. Uh, Dick Crowell traveled a lot. He was a salesman. And he would travel to different areas and locate if the WWE was going to be there in that in that area. And he would call up Vince McMahon Sr. or Jr. 
to say that, you know, he's in that area, is there a wrestling show, could he do it? And they would say, sure. The thing with that is because they were very comfortable with him, they were very comfortable with me. The wrestlers would, you know, want, you know, us to do their matches. Many, many a time, I, I became great friends with Don Morocco, mainly because whenever he was on the show and I was there, he, no matter what bout, if he was in the main event or an opening bout, a preliminary, I want Billy Caputo as a referee. And, you know, the question, well, why do you want Billy? First of all, you know, he's a great referee. Great. I'm telling you what, you know, they, they would say. Oh, he's a great referee, and he doesn't get in anybody's way. And from that, you know, people look and listen and stuff. And I and that was basically one of the main things with me was that everybody was asking for me. When I wow. went to the, the Giant Baba came from Japan, and I refereed yeah. him in New York, and he was doing like a little tour up and down, and I was going but, uh, back and forth for the WWE. I'm, I'm going to call it WWE. I'm probably missing a, a W or changing an E to an F, whatever. But traveling with them, <laughs> and Baba, how would you like to come to Japan? You know, I got, I'm done here. Next, you want to go to Japan? I said, sure, of course. And the same thing happened with Antonio Inoki. And he was a different rival company in Japan. There were two different companies. Now there's, there's three or four, and even, you know, all, all, all pro Japan and, and Japanese wrestling. There's a whole bunch of them. But uh, at the time, Antonio Inoki, the same thing. I did a few shows with him. He, Would you like to come to Japan? So, okay. He did it. I, You know, he took me around. Tiger G. No, I think, I was going to say, I think, um, I think Ayanoki, uh was New Japan Pro Wrestling. At the time, probably, yeah. But he had, he had, you know, the, well, Baba had me wrestling, he had me wrestling, yeah. Baba had me wrestling in the Tokyo Dome, where Ayanoki, uh, hmm. I think I was in the Egg Dome, they called it, or something. Two different places, but big time wrestling in Japan. And of course, I loved it. And and what was good was, okay, a year or two went by, you know, we want you back. Now, they, uh, what's his name? Along with uh, Carlos Colon in Puerto Rico, there was Victor um, Quinones, who was a co-promoter with Carlos Colon in Puerto Rico. And Victor Quinones asked me, would I like to go to Puerto Rico? Of course, I went to Puerto Rico. I went to Puerto Rico, I think, 18 times. But one time we went, they were having a huge tournament there. Carlos Colon had lost his universal title to um, uh, what's his name? Abdullah the Butcher and they were going to have a big tournament because they didn't want to or they stripped Abdullah the Butcher of of his of the title so they were going to have a huge tournament over a two week period on local television and every night you'd go and it would be like eliminations and stuff and I was there. I was there for two weeks at this one time, two weeks straight. And they promoted me coming in as the special referee from the United States. Billy Caputo was coming down. Oh. They had posters of me and pictures of me all over Puerto Rico and stuff. And uh, I was there. For, and that was one instance. But the, Victor Quinones liked the way I worked. They sent me down for quite a few matches. I did the match with uh, Carlos Colon against Nature Boy Rick Flair down there. The match was was to a finish, and it went an hour and a half. I was exhausted, but Carlos Galone and Rick Flair wrestled for an hour and a half. Uh, that, that's, uh, that's 
that that's great considering you know considering Ric Flair um you know and the speedy recovery to him is having all these heart oh, problems. Yeah. Maybe that's yeah. maybe that's why he wrestled over an, he wrestled over an hour. Well, Ric Flair was known as a sixty you know, minute man. We're talking in the eighties now, so he was in great shape. He you know he huh. he made his name. He you know he settled into his his name and his character and stuff. It was very good. Uh, you talked. You talked about um, Vince McMahon Senior. Um, what was it like meeting? Uh, what was it like working with with Mr. McMahon Senior? And then, of course, we're going to talk about Vince. Um, you know what it was like working with him. Well, we can, what was it like working with the Senior? They were exactly the well, same. You can. They were exactly yeah, you can. the same. One's a father, one's a son. But as as brains for the wrestling business, there's nobody finer. There's nobody better. They are they are the consummate gentlemen either way. But once the wrestling matches started, don't bother them. Don't talk to them. They want to see the matches and they watch every single match. What the you know, I'm gonna tell you a little secret. You know, they talk about the T V shows that's on now, which is regular and Vince McMahon, you know, will maybe make an appearance here or, or you know, something or they'll promote him or they'll talk about him. He's there at every show just like his father was at every show, and they're watching everything, you know. So when they do those spots where uh, the the uh, uh, as they put now the chairman of the board and CEO of World, you know, Wrestling Entertainment is in the house or was in the house or is coming to, the, he's there already. But he's a consummate businessman. You you want to talk wrestling? Him, Vince Senior and Junior. Nobody, nobody in the world, all the promotions throughout the world, all the different promoters that, that you know of, you know, and heard of the Crockett's and then, oh, God almighty, uh, uh, the um, the Ericks and, and the uh, Graham brother, Mike Graham and his son, and Eddie Graham, uh, rather, and his son, Mike, all these Dusty Rose, all these people that were in promotions and had their local promotions, nice guys, but can't compare to the brain power that the McMahons mm. have in getting a show going, promoting it, uh, having the wrestlers, you know, follow what they want, what they're saying, listening to them, they are absolutely terrific. Come go away from wrestling, and they're, <laughs> you know, not. I'm not saying in a derogatory way. But they're more like you and I. You know, they, they've tried different things. They've tried the alley. You know, Vince Jr. tried the horse racing. That didn't work. He tried the bodybuilding. That didn't work. They tried the football. It didn't work. Vince Sr. tried boxing. That didn't work. Stick with wrestling. Mm. Nobody beats them. Absolutely nobody. IWF didn't do good? Ica Pro? <laughs> no, no. They, they, you know, they, uh, they um, you talked about Gorilla Monsoon before. Um, I don't know if any, a lot of my fans probably don't know this, but Gorilla Monsoon had a son um, named Joey Morella. Joey Morella yeah. refereed Andre the Giant versus Hulk Hogan WrestleMania three. Um, yes. What can you tell us about Joey Morella? Joey Morella was a gentleman, a great referee, a really good referee, and. Uh, you know, as uh, you know, as you go on, you know, uh, he died tragically in an in a car accident, traveling to the Allentown and Hamburg, Pennsylvania tapings. He died on the same road 
that Eddie Gilbert died mm. in an automobile accident on that same Route 78 in Pennsylvania. The, not They didn't die together, but they died separately on the same road in an automobile accident. Very Do you good. know Very who was good. in the car that night? Do you know who was in the car that night travel with him? No, I don't. Harvey no, Whippleman. Okay, okay. Who now is still working as an agent. Yeah. Yep, and he still can't uh he still can't trust Harvey Whippleman. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Harvey Harvey uh Harvey Whippleman. Um, let me ask you too. There's a there was a female referee. Did you um work with Rita Marie? We were yeah. Again, she you know, again a personal personable girl. The men were not first of all, the men were not comfortable with her. Okay? Uh, she wouldn't take a bump, first of all, and the main thing was that you know they 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 couldn't get themselves to work with her. There's a lot of physicality in refereeing. A lot of things that the people don't know. You have to get in, and you have to be or authoritative. You've got to you've got to be the boss. You know, there's the wrestling to put on a wrestling show, to put on a wrestling match. There's three people involved. You have the two wrestlers, the stars, and the referee. Any wrestler will tell you that when there's a match, it's three people. It's the wrestlers and a referee. The referee has to be the the boss, so to speak, to the company and to the uh, audience and to the, the viewing people. You've got to know your job to know what's right and what's wrong. She was great, but she wasn't forceful enough. You know, you, she's going to get in and try, you know, and and, and say, play the part of the referee and try and separate the two, two wrestlers, you know, let's say on a lockup or something like that or on the ropes, you know, punching, kicking, whatever. It didn't look right for her just easily to push them aside. It didn't look real enough for the show. And that was her biggest problem. One of, my, one of my pet peeves is when I go to an independent wrestling show, because you don't see it in the professional, but when I go to an independent wrestling show and I'm sitting there and a wrestler has another wrestler in the corner and the referee's just letting it go and he's not counting, you know what I start doing? I start still going, one, two, three. <laughs> well, now you've got to get And then the finally the referee starts counting. And then after the, after the, the match... The referee will pull me aside and say, "Thank you, 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 you." I didn't realize I had a count. There you go. Yeah, no, that's yeah, no, that's a foolish, that's a foolish referee. The, the yeah, rules are, that's a young, you know, that's, a, two, that's a green, uh, that's a green uh, referee. Yeah. yeah. Are you you talking in a, about in bumps. a tag match? Uh, what, what, tag I was going to ask you, what was the worst bump you ever taken? The worst bump. Oh, well, if you're well, in the ring, if, I, if you were I, I, in the, the ring and someone collided, the, the most publicized, you. the most publicized bump I took was on television. It was in Allentown. We taping a television show, and it was Killer Khan, who they were promoting. He was at the top of the promotion. He was the top heel. He was going to fight Bob Backlund on the next Madison Square Garden show on wow. on uh, as the main event, and he was getting the big push as the top heel. Everybody that he beat, he not only beat them as far as having the win, 
but he would, you know, literally knock them out or choke them out or kick them out. He put them, you know, that was the gimmick line, you know, put them out of commission. He was a terror in the ring, and I was promoting uh, to get the match against Bob Backlund. And we're taping this show, this particular match, in Allentown, Pennsylvania, and it's Killer Khan against Rick McGraw. And Killer Khan just, you know, from the moment the bell started, is just wailing away, windmill punches and kicks and everything on Rick McGraw, throwing him from rope to rope to rope to rope. Now, again, part of my job is when you see the guy on the rope, you want either, you know, you give the guy a count. He's got a count of five to get off, you know, to stop using it because the man is on the rope. The man on the rope has the advantage of the referee's count. Killer Khan kept it up, kept it up, and my point was that I go in and separate them. Well, uh, just previous to that, I should tell you, just previous to that, Killer Khan sent Rick McGraw into the ropes. He sprung off. He came at Killer Khan, who gave him a real high, um, almost like the, the Stan Hansen lariat. He gave him the forearm to the head, and he literally, he broke two vertebrae in Rick McGraw's neck. Rick wow. McGraw, during the match, and this is all on television, Rick McGraw says to me, Billy, I think he just broke my neck. You know, let's stop it. So he uh-huh. moved to the ropes. Killer Khan came right in on top of him, and I go to push him back to tell Killer Khan, let's go home. Let's end this match right now. And, you know, because he thinks he's got a broken neck. Well, as I walked in, Killer Khan was swinging away both hands. And he clipped me with his hand coming up for a punch and hit me right in the nose and broke my nose on television. The blood wow. was pouring all out of my nose, all over the shirt, all over the ring. Killer Khan thought he killed me. I'm fine. <laughs> Poor Rick McGraw has a broken neck. And, yep. oh, my goodness, I think Pat Patterson and, of course, Vince oh. Jr., I think, was doing the commentating at the time. might have been even... Anthony Naraka at the time, but they like I could see them standing up in the seat at the booth at the at the television booth. That okay, we ended it, and of course Killer Khan got the win, and he and he literally you know beat Rick McGraw. Rick McGraw would you know go you know did his part and went down on the mat and lay there and everything, but he's down with a broken neck, and I'm my nose is broken, it's twisted all off to the side. <laughs> And go now. Now we go back, and of course I had to come back later on to do another bout on TV. So they like, I, you know, I was in pain. I never had a broken nose before. I had slightly broken noses, but nothing really as bad as this. But that the doctor, George Saharian at the time, familiar name. Yep. <laughs> excuse me. Reset my reset my nose right then and there. We stopped the blood, and I came out later on. You know, and. Just to ask the rest of be good careful with my nose. Everything was sore. But I went and had, you know, afterwards I had to go and have my – actually, I had to go to Hamburg, and the doctor there, uh, you know, like pretty much said it and, and, like, braced it and stuff. But I had to – you know, and, of course, when I went into the ring, I took off all the bandages and everything like that and worked the next night with that. But that was the worst. But wow. I've had my nose broken four times. I've had a, my yeah. – oh, my God, my shoulder dislocated. My fingers were broken. I have a whole brand-new – Right knee, uh, thanks to a show in in Germany. Actually, in Germany, uh, I could I was physical enough that I could jump 
out of the ring when you know if if on on hot fin, uh, hot finishes hot finishes say the the bad guys the heels are winning the bout they're beating the hell out of out of the baby face the good guy and all of a sudden the good guy makes a, a huge comeback very quick pins the bad guy and he dives out of the ring and that leaves me in the ring to argue with the heel as to why how come I lost and why you know did I count too fast or, you know did I give this guy an advantage whatever it was the heel is going to argue with me so I have to get out of the ring there's nobody and and we've done this before I jump over the top rope on onto the floor hold on to the rope you know it's not a dangerous thing I've done it all the time but in Germany they put mats all around the ring and they were small athletic mats they were they were like maybe four by five but they were just a regular athletic mat. I jump out of the ring, and my foot, my one leg, my right leg, landed on the end of the mat. My other foot landed on another mat. You know, it was like over the seam. My right leg on that mat slipped right along the floor and twisted and, and tore every every ligament and metacarpal and all this other crap, meniscus and everything in the knee. And that was that was like maybe my worst injury. But you get hurt. You get now, hurt either way. I was gonna. I was just gonna say uh, to everybody out there, you're listening to Pro Wrestling Now and more with Magic Mike Farah, episode number 107 on Totally Driven Radio Entertainment Network. We uh, we are joined tonight by former referee, former state athletic commissioner, Mr. Billy Caputo, a hell of a nice guy. Um, Billy, one of the things I wanted to talk about was um, you have a – there was a feud going on years ago. Your wonderful Paul Orndorff and Hulk Hogan. Now, let me – before we get into that, let me ask you a question. What's your, what was your thoughts on Hulk Hogan? Then or now? You know, no, 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 not now. That yeah. then. Well, yeah, we have to start at the beginning then when you see – when you seen Hulk well, when Hogan, he first right? came, when he when he first came to the W, and again I'm saying WWE, it probably might have been that's WWF. Fine. That's fine. That's fine. When he first came, he was he was the Golden Superman, managed by Fred Blassie. He was a big heel, but then you know the people accepted him, the size, his maneuverability, and everything. He was a tremendous guy and a tremendous competitor. He's not a great wrestler. You know, a lot of wrestlers are, uh, are good. Some are better than others. But he was not a great wrestler. He was a tremendous showman with everybody, with the crowd, with the people. And, you know, uh, like I said, you know, we're friends for all, you know, we've been friends to this very day. And, we, you know, we talk and reminisce and stuff when we run into each other. And, of course, you know, his joke was, you know, the big leg drop. That's all he had. That was his finishing move, the big leg drop, you know, after the guy is down and stuff. But a, what a yep. nice, nice guy. The feud started with Paul Orndorff. That started with the business with uh, going into WrestleMania 1 when it was Roddy Piper, Paul Orndorff, and um, uh, Bob Orton in the, in the one corner, and Hulk Hogan, Jimmy Snooker, and um, I forget who's who, uh, Mr. T in their corner in that. So that feud, they worked together, Orndorff and Hogan. They did a lot. The feud is a feud. It's, you know, I, you know how come you're going to win all the time? Why don't you let me win? 
But uh, it, it worked out. You know, they worked themselves out. They bent together. Yeah. I, I see the, a bunch of them. I see them all together. You know, different autographings. You know, throughout the country and stuff. They're they're they are friends at this point. May uh, May he rest in peace. Bobby Heenan said. Bobby Heenan said in his book, "May he rest in peace." Bobby said that Hogan and Orndorff would wrestle at Madison Square Garden. They would be in the. They would be on like maybe the fourth match or whatever you know that match. Then they would head onto the plane and they would fly to Chicago. And and uh, Bobby Heenan said Hogan in his you know yellow and Paul Orndorff in his robe and me in my sequenced outfit. He said we look like Liberace's backup uh, uh, you know singers. That's true. You know, that's sometimes the guys had to leave right away to get, you know, to catch a flight or, you know, they have a double booking that day or they, or they had an early morning, either a TV show or something like that. Remember, Hulk Hogan is the biggest name and always will be the biggest name in professional wrestling. He brought yep. so many and I, brought- and I remember watching, I remember watching Hulk Hogan and Paul Orndorff against Big John Studd, who scared me. And and King Kong Bundy, who scared me, and I remember Paul Orndorff turning on Hulk Hogan, pile driving Hulk Hogan, then going with Bobby the Brain Heenan, and I rem I remember that feud, and the reason why I brought that up is because you wrote me out a nice promo and there's a pic, and uh, I'm gonna share it with my listeners. I'm gonna take a picture of it and show everybody. It says to Mike, a good friend, a good guy, Billy Caputo, referee. And there you are in the middle of Hulk Hogan and Paul Orndorff. That that's yeah. that, and I'm sure you've been in the middle of a lot of great uh, talent. But Paul Orndorff, Mr. Wonderful, and Hulk Hogan, you can't get better than that. And you talk no. about the leg drop. You talk about the leg drop. Hulk Hogan had this thing do his finisher. Hogan would kick out. He would he would go around the ring. He would Hulk up. It, it was just a tremendous. He was a tremendous draw. And and Hulk Hogan was every bit, bit as much popular as a lot of wrestlers back in the day. Um, you also told me a story about uh, the fabulous Moolah. Yes, Lillian, Lillian Ellison. What a wonderful, wonderful woman. Uh, you know, a, a complete. Uh, you know, I want to say a, 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 a tremendous Southern belle so to speak. She was from uh, North Carolina, you know, Columbia, North Carolina. And, uh, you know, and what a wonderful woman, friendly, talkative. She sat and and talked to the fans, signed autographs. But get her in the ring tougher than any man, any man. You know, if you put her in a fight with with George Steele, George the Animal Steele, I'm sure George Steele would win, but he'd leave with a lot of bruises from the fabulous Moolah. And, and the highlight of my career, with, with uh, one of the highlights that I talk about uh, a lot of times, uh, at the Nassau Coliseum, when they first allowed women wrestling uh, to come back to New York. For, well, not come back, but they weren't allowed. They didn't have women wrestlers at all. And one, I think it was the second bout uh, of, of women coming in. I think the first time they ever had women at, um, at Nassau, in New York, was at Nassau Coliseum. And they had like a woman's battle royal. So you got to see everybody, you know, all the girls in the business at that time. But I did a singles bout with the fabulous Moolah. And I believe 
it was either Malelani Kai or Joyce Grable. I'm not sure which one. But at the end of the bout, Mula won. And I go over to raise her hand. You know, you're the winner and stuff. But she stayed in character. She literally, and I'm telling you, I weighed 240 pounds. She picked me right up and body slammed me right in the ring. Boom. I was down. I was out. I didn't expect it. <laughs> she knocked the wind out of me. I had to crawl up, roll over to a rope and, and, crawl, and pick myself and crawl up and get the hell out of there. But we we remained friends. God, you know, God love her, you know, until the day she died. I have many, many pictures, fond memories of her. Pictures yeah, I, and I, um, I was I was working in the city uh, at the time. It was like uh, I want to say it was like 2001, and the WWE uh, had a cafe. Oh no, it was 2000. Yeah, 2001. WWE had a cafe, and uh, they were doing a book signing, and I went to get her book, and I have it. And she signed the book, and she talked. She was such a nice, a nice lady. And then one of her students um, was on my show. Uh, he became the uh, Patriot, the real original Patriot, the real Patriot, Del Wilkes. And he was on my, uh, I've had Del on my show, and Del talked about what a great woman um, Mula, you know, turned out to be. Um, now, you talked about working with the WWE. Uh, did you ever go to NWA? Did you ever work for them? Oh, sure. Before this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like I said, a lot of the, uh, you know, once I kind of like made a name for myself or, or developed a reputation or a name for myself, one of my biggest compliments, uh, when the wrestlers called me one of the boys, and that went all through the locker room, oh, yeah, he's one of the boys. You know, this you, you could say, talk to him, ask him questions, ask anything like that. He's one of the boys. And I was, and in the wrestling business, that's, that's a big honor. There's not too many wrestling referees that are one of the boys. But anyway, uh, promoted, different promotions and stuff would ask me to come. I did a lot of shows uh, for the NWA down south. Uh, I worked for uh, Skandor Akbar. I worked for uh, Jimmy Hart. I worked for um, even Dusty Rhodes did a few spots, you know, down in Florida. had me down there. And, again, it was they were trading talent. They were, the WWE was spreading it, their talents out. They sent Bruno San Martino to uh, San Francisco to Cow Palace. They had a, a special battle royal. Bruno San Martino never, never left the New York area or the East Coast, you know, so to speak. Uh, but they sent him to California uh, for the battle royal. I wasn't there for that, but I was there the next time when the, when another WWE group went to California, and, and I refereed in the Cow Palace. But but they send wrestlers all around in different areas and stuff. Uh, they want and of course going to these different areas, they have their own referees. They had their own officials and stuff that have been there for years. But now again, it, it comes back to me. Is Billy? You know, somebody would say. And again, I I, I thank Don Morocco. I thank um, Roddy Piper, and Paul Londorf and Hulk Hogan. You know, they're sending people well, over. Roddy Piper and you, I was going to say, now, Roddy Piper, may he rest in peace. You guys were friends. Yes. Yeah, very good friends. Very good yeah, friends. I remember you telling me uh, But again, they, you know, Roddy, these people uh, would say is, is, you know, we went out there, we did the show, and we weren't happy with, the, you know, we, whoever the referee was, you know, for one reason or another, you know, the next time, is Billy Computer coming? 
because they knew I traveled. Mm. They're really good referees in the WWE. Like I said, Dick Worley, uh, John Stanley, Dick Crow, Jack Lotz here on the East Coast. They didn't want to travel. They were very happy where they were and stuff. I had the time. I had, you know, the free time. Um, I had vacation time from my job. I had a regular job. But I did, you know, an awful lot of refereeing and stuff. And uh, they they wanted to know, is Billy Caputo coming? You know, I became great friends with Chief J. J. Strongbow and Arnold Skolin. That anywhere, and again, Arnold Skolin, if you're familiar with him, Arnold Skolin was the, 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 uh, the, the silver case man. He had the money. He was trying to pay everybody. He was the guy that gave out drags to the wrestlers, you know, advance payments, all that stuff. He had the money, and he was all, you know, all authorized by Vince McMahon to do all this stuff. But he became a, a, a good friend of mine because I never, I never refereed Arnold Skolan. I did referee Jay Strongbow quite a bit, but Arnold Skolan, I never refereed. But he again mm-hmm. saw the way I was working, liked the way I worked, and brought me along. You know, all right, listen, you know, come to this place, come to that place. But once, you know, once I got a, a kind of a really good reputation, the wrestlers would ask for me. We're going here. Is Billy Caputo mm-hmm. coming? Yeah, okay. And Billy Caputo showed up. Let me ask you something uh, about uh, talking about the wrestlers, some of the wrestlers. Andre the Giant was one of the biggest men in the business. And, yes. Um, t- talk to us about Andre. Uh, were you friends with him? Were you friendly with him? The you know, well, it's very, it, was, it, was very, it was very hard to be friends with Andre, but if he didn't like you, you didn't want to be around him. Lucky enough, he liked me. We were, we were not friendly on a personal, you know, talking business. Andre liked to play cribbage with everybody, with Donald Skolan and stuff. He liked to, you know, sit back and talk wrestling and stuff. I we went to a and he, he was almost a childlike in a manner, and I relate to a, to a show that we did in Baltimore at the Baltimore Arena, and we all went out to dinner together. There was a whole bunch of us, and I sat and I brought my daughter. My daughter was 12 years old at the time. I brought my daughter down to Baltimore to to the show. We went out to eat afterwards in the little Italy area of there. And, I, oh, my God, it was Bobby Heenan and, of course, uh, Arnold Skoll and, and um, Jay Strongbow. You know, too many wrestlers. You know, the name Hulk Hogan. Um, I'm trying to think of, you know, everybody. And Andre the Giant. Andre the Giant was there, never, ever touched his food. Never touched his food. He played with my daughter the whole time at the table. Every time my daughter tried to put food into her mouth, Andre would stick his big mitt of a hand on top of her head, which, of course, covered everything all the way down to her chest. Every time she tried to eat, Dad, he won't let me eat. Dad, he won't let me eat. So Bobby Heenan, you know, stood up. Let, you know, Andre, let that little girl eat. For God's sake, you know, she's got to grow and everything. You want her to grow as big as you, you know, that kind of a joke. But he, but, you know, really, really a nice guy. Really a nice guy. But uh. it was Andre. Andre knew enough. You know the, old, the the expression of of being put over. Uh, Andre, you know, didn't like to put people over. Andre had to win, and if he didn't win, he was going to lose a match. You know, as if he was he came out the bigger man. And of course, I I believe it was WrestleMania three. You had mentioned it before. Uh, Joey Morella 
uh, refereeing against Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant. And it wasn't until they were going out to the ring. Uh, the finish, of course, was uh, Hogan was going to do, of course, the leg drop. He was going to lose. Uh, Andre was going to lose. And that was predetermined by Vince McMahon Sr. at the time. And they want everybody wanted to see if Hogan could pick him up. And yeah, said, oh, you're not going to make, yeah, well, you're not going to make me look foolish by picking me up and body slamming me. And that was right. Up right until they were going out to the ring. And lo and behold, they're on their way, and Andre thought it over and told Hogan, all right, you know, pick me up. That'll be the finish. And if you ever, and you know, when you ever watch that match, Hogan Hogan goes to pick him up, and he really doesn't get him up in a full body slam. Hogan could only lift him, for, you know, for that moment across his chest, and and put him down, and that was the finish. And then he covered Andre with that. But that was that wasn't supposed to happen until just before the bell rang, just before they went outside into the ring. Yeah, Hogan. But Andre uh, was Hogan talked a lot about that, and I've talked about that. On my show, Hogan didn't know uh, right in, up until the very end. And you can see Andre um, posting. You can see Andre helping Hogan over. And uh, Hulk Hogan... No matter, how much, no matter how much he helped, he was, Hogan, you know, could get lifted up. Hogan was strong, of course. Hogan was a big guy. Yeah. But, uh, you know, yeah. to pick him up... And you mentioned Bobby the Brain Heenan. You mentioned Bobby the Brain Heenan. And Bobby the Brain Heenan was, was the guy... That managed, um, you know, out there that night, uh, Andre the Giant. Um, you know, Bobby just passed. We talked. We did a whole show last week. I had a friend of mine uh, call in, and uh, he's a historian, a wrestling, another great guy. He's a wrestling historian, and he he works for the Cauliflower Alley Club. And we were talking about Bobby the Brain Heenan. What was your thoughts about Bobby? Well, Bobby, you know, Bobby was Bobby, and. Uh... You know, he was in the business very much, very much like um, uh, I'm, I'm using the reference now, like like Fred Rass, Fred Blassie, um, Lou Albano, these guys, uh, Jimmy Hart and stuff. Not not the mouth of the South, Jimmy, but the guy from Texas and stuff. All these people, Bobby Heenan, were wrestlers. Bobby Heenan got his start in from the Vern Gagne AWA wrestling. He started out in the Minnesota Milwaukee area, and he was a wrestler. And then worked it in to being the manager. Very good on the microphone. Very good talking. And it worked out, you know, that was the better thing for him. Rather than be a wrestler, be a manager. It worked out terrific. So he was, you know, a, you know, a nice guy. Very quick, you know, with a line, with a joke. Because that's what he had to be when he's on. When you're on the microphone, you've got to be a good talker. You see it, you know, with a lot of wrestlers nowadays, you know, that they'll get on the microphone and they're really not that good. They, you know, they're trying to promote themselves and they're doing what they're told to say, but it's, you know, you know, it's not natural with them. Bobby Heenan, Lou Albano, Fred Blassie, that's all natural stuff with them. When they, when they were yeah. talking and, and, you know, getting into uh, words of, you know, his words of fights and stuff, that <laughs> was, that was them. Mm-hmm. There was there was a uh, there was a gorilla monsoon and Bobby the Brain Heenan and they were calling a match one time and they were uh, talking about well gorilla monsoon was referring to Coco Beware's uh, bird Frankie and he said those birds uh, can live to be 25 years old and Brain said 
not in my house. And Gorilla said, I'm sure. And Brain said, if he was in my house, he'd be in the shake-and-bake bag. Do, do you like your parrots original or extra crispy? And you know what Gorilla Monsoon said? He said, will you stop? They were a great team. And that's why they were doing the commentating like that. The repartee between the two of them, and it was all natural. It was, you know, they, that wasn't rehearsed. That wasn't planned or anything. The, you know, you're watching the wrestling match, and then, you know, where you should call the wrestling match and comment on as to what's happening in the wrestling match, the two of them would, would veer off to something else, and it would be hysterical. It would be hilarious. It was a shame, you know, that... that all right, you know, that Bobby didn't want to do the commentating anymore. And then I think they brought in Gene Oakland to work with uh, Gorilla Monsoon at the different house shows as commentating. But Gene Oakland is, again, a, a, a great guy, a terrific guy. But uh, Bobby, yeah, Gene, Gene Oakland was one of the kind. Gene, you know, there aren't many. Gene, Gene Oakland was, was uh, one of the best. Uh, we, we talk a lot on this show. We talk a lot about WrestleMania. And I've had a lot of guests on my show. I've had Smith Hart. I've had them all. And we talked about we talked about the beginnings of WrestleMania. If somebody was to tell you today that WrestleMania would still be here, would you have believed them back then? Oh yeah. Oh sure. Sure. That's that's at the time, those are the best matches. Those are it's the biggest draw now of any pay per view, you know. Uh in the beginning, in the beginning, it's it's sold out. The pay per view sold out. The um, the promotions for it, the promos that that were run for it, and uh, you know the not so much the, the you know celebrity guests and stuff. That's you know that's all well and good, and uh, those are like little uh, pearls you know dropped in on it. But the the wrestlers themselves work their hardest at a WrestleMania show. And again, we're talking WWE. Um, WCW right. used to have their all-star wrestling event and NW, you know, every every big alliance. They all had their their stuff. But WrestleMania, again, you know, there was a lot of promotion uh, put into that to do that. And when it first started, the first WrestleManias and stuff, you know, you could see the talent. That was the, the best match with the best talent at that time. The preliminary matches could be main events anywhere. Headline shows, headline all these house shows. They were all terrific. You know, there was, there was no, and the wrestlers worked. They, they really put out on all of them. Mm-hmm. I know, I, I was shocked. I was shocked when I was watching the A-Team, and then the next thing I see Hulk Hogan and Mr. T versus Roddy Roddy Piper and Paul Arndorf, and I'm like, wow, Mom, that's crazy. You know, Mom, that's crazy. You know, I'm a big Mr. T fan from the show, the A-Team, and there's Hulk Hogan, and it's it, it's just um, it, it's just amazing how how that worked out. Um, and of course, back then it was closed circuit television; it wasn't pay per view. Well, I think they did have some kind of a pay per view thing. Well, not you know it was pay per view in the very early sense. Uh, you could get yeah, it, you know, you it could was, buy it and stuff. Yeah, I was gonna say it, but, was, uh, called, it was called um, it was called uh, yeah it it was called closed circuit television, and a lot of places um they took chances they took chances uh with it with wrestlemania and a lot of the well, boys that was, said well, that like i was going to say a lot of the boys rest- said that mcmahon gambled with with wrestlemania and then he really yeah. took a gamble with wrestlemania three um you know a bigger event a bigger venue uh than he originally um 
originally had. So, so you know, to me, to me, WrestleMania three was one of the best WrestleManias because you had two of the four of the greatest top stars. You had Hulk Hogan versus Andre, and you had Macho Man Ray. He rests in peace versus Ricky the Dragon uh, Steamboat. Yeah, like I said, these these are your top men, and they made their top. You know, they made the matches for these particular shows. They're all the WrestleMania. I like, you know, every, everybody, like yourself and the fans and stuff, they all have their favorites. I I jump ahead, and I like every single one of them. I, you know, I would I don't mind seeing, watching these films over and over again. I, I love watching, you know, the, you know, I look at it at a much different way. I look at all the matches in a, in a much different way than the fan does or the, you know, the regular everyday fan or the, or the knowledgeable fan even. But you know, and I see it from a different perspective. I'm, I was the guy right in the middle of all of them, and I knew yeah. their attitude and I, I knew I'm their laughing. ability. I'm laughing because I'm laughing because because a, a mutual friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours, my best friend, and you know him really well, Magic. Um, Magic told me one day. He said to me, Mikey. He said, "You're never going to look at wrestling the same," and. You know what? Magic was right. Like when Magic and I are watching wrestling or we're at a wrestling match or we're, we're watching it on TV, I'll see something and I'll say, okay, I know exactly what's going to happen, you know, or that was supposed to happen. And uh, you're right. You know, you're, 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 you're exactly right. And I'll admit to you on this show, because I've said this in the past, I trained. Originally, I trained to be a referee, and I didn't like it. I, so I trained to be a referee, and I didn't like it at all. And then Magic said to me, you know what, you, you know, we'll, we'll just, he, he tells me, show up with the sign. We're going to go to New Jersey. I got a good friend, and it's going to be great. You're going to come out with us, and you're going you're gonna to be my manager, my sign guy. I need, a, I need somebody. And that's how I started, you know. So, you know. That's, like, that's like, how I met you. You were, the, you were sign guy Mike. That's how I met you. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, well, we met we met under we met under different circumstances. We we met through a a little wrestling company that was in Staten Island called Freedom Championship Wrestling, and that's how we met. And and you got and you got brought in and and uh, you know, but but I'll tell you but I'll tell you one thing though, I'll never forget one night I was in Brooklyn, and we were working for Gino Caruso. And by the way, gotta say big fan of Gino. I love Gino. I love Gio Caruso, great guy, um, always treated me with respect. But anyway, one night I remember I was working a Gino show, and I remember you came up to me and you said, wow, you're good. <laughs> you hear that from you? And I told Magic that, you know, I told Magic what you said, and Magic goes, yeah, you know, Billy likes you, you know. You know, and Magic, Magic always, well, you always did, uh, told, you uh, told some great you stories. Um, what's, what's your memories of... Um, What's your memories of Magic, like the first time you met him, more? Of who? Of Magic. Of. Well, I I watched him. I you know for a big guy, you know I don't know how much you tell the fans or anything like that, but he's a good he's a good three hundred pounder, and I watched him yes. move around the ring, and you know he's he's like a, a you know a young young thin guy you know with his age and moving around like he's a lot younger uh, than he really is. You know, that's very impressive. 
Yeah, magic no, is a. Uh, ma- ma- I was gonna say magic is is so agile, and he's such a nice guy, and and you know, ma- like I said, magic's been on my show so many times, and we we always talk about different matches and different wrestlers. Also, I was just talking about ECPW. There was a referee that passed away. You probably remember him. Um, quick, uh, uh, what do you call quick? Uh, Al Quick Count Soprano. Yes, yes. I don't know if he passed away, but I he I, did. I, I, oh, he passed away. I'm sorry to hear that. That I didn't know. But yeah, he was he was one of the regular guys for the ECPW. Him and the uh, the other fellow, Vinny, I think Vincent was the other guy's name. But I know that. Yeah, I know. I you know I should have I should have questioned it because I did see a lot of uh, ECPW uh, shows on films and stuff. And when I was the inspector, I would do a lot of their shows. And I know every, almost every other show they would have different referees. I never went to ask them why, you know, why so many. But I've seen a lot of referees that were good, a lot of referees that were terrible. I saw a lot of referees that I never saw before, uh, never saw again. Yeah. But, uh, um, you know, Mag- again. Mag- I was going to say, Magic and, I, Magic and I had a referee one one time. And uh, Magic was wrestling this kid, um, I forget his last name. Oh, I never mind. I got his name. He Magic was wrestling PJ PJ Storm, and uh, I don't know if you know PJ Storm, but Magic was wrestling him, and we had a referee that was horrible. He Magic is out. Magic is outside of the ring with PJ, and the referee was supposed to come and, and you know and and get Magic back in the ring, or at least maybe start a count. The referee, the, so Magic and the kid are outside. I'm out there with them. You know, I got my sign. I'm shoving it in the kid's face. And Magic is going, you know, Mikey, what's going on here? We're just sitting here. Where's the ref? The referee decides he's going to take the long way around the whole ring. Well, that's mm. kind of like what I was talking about before. You know, you have referees that, well, like anyway, you have referees that are really outstanding, good good referees that the wrestlers are very comfortable with, and you have referees, again, that come out green, stay green. They want to be a part of the show, which that's not the part of of professional wrestling. Nobody, as I said before, nobody has ever bought a ticket, unless unless it was my mother and father, to buy a ticket to come and see a referee. They come to watch the the wrestlers. That's what you pay for. You want to see the wrestlers, you want to see the matches. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you, we, you have all different kinds and stuff. We, but, uh, um, we, you know, we, and speaking, and say, speaking of referees, I'm, I'm going to throw in a little promotion for myself. The Professional okay, yeah. Wrestling Hall of Fame, which is in um, uh, Kansas, uh, in, down in Texas now, Wichita Falls, Texas. This is the the what I consider the real Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame. They've been on for about ten years now, eleven years. I've been I've been there. Uh, they moved. They were in Amsterdam, New York. I would visit them every year. They now moved down to Wichita Falls, Texas. And every year, it's in, in September, they have they ask the public. They have a board of directors and stuff, and everybody sits down, and they go through everything. But they ask the public. They put up, uh, if you're into, uh, you know, for nominations for people to be entered into the Hall of Fame. And this year is the first year in 10 years or 11 years that on the nominating ballot is referees. I'd like to be in the Hall of Fame. I think if you know people remember me, if they like the work I've done, 
uh, if they want to help me get in, what I'd like them to do is go to the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame website, which is www.pwhf.org. You get the home page. You click on to nominations and mention my name as a referee. I would be very appreciative. My family would be very appreciative. Uh, a lot of my friends have already put in. Again, it's a it's not a popularity poll, uh, but I, I know you know I've I've gotten remarks back from a lot of my friends, wrestlers and stuff, that said, oh yeah, we're you know Billy, of course, of course, we wouldn't even hesitate. So we'll see what happens. Now guess what I did today? You know, speaking of that, guess what I did today? Hey. Today I went to the website and I selected you. I I I didn't select you. I went and I put in a nomination for you, Billy, because I love you, Billy, and I believe in you, Billy. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I really do appreciate it. If you're not too familiar with me, there's on on those Madison Square Garden on YouTube. If you click on Madison Square Garden or MSG Wrestling Classics. One of my best nights was March the, the 17th, 1985. They had me doing three bouts that night. Jim Neidhart against uh, um, S.D. Jones. I won't go into everything. But one of the main things was they had me refereeing a six-man tag match with almost everybody that you mentioned. There was Ken Patera, Jesse Ventura. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to forget the other name now. Uh, John Studd, big John Studd, against Andre the Giant, uh, Chief J. Strongbow, and Jimmy Snooker. Really a great, great match. These guys worked really hard and, and, and did terrific. Gorilla Monsoon and Gene Oakland were the commentators. I was the referee. Uh, you can get an idea of, you know, maybe the work and, you know, some of the stuff that I've done. There's, uh, yeah, there's that's, a couple that's, of... I was going to say that's, that's great to, to always promote... And, and, you know, and not only you, you're the guy that promotes, but you're the guy that, that said, you know, why don't you look for something else to watch? A lot of wrestling fans, maybe the younger guys out there, they, they haven't seen your work. So, you know, why not tell them um, about it? I mean, and, uh, you know, Jim, the animal Reinhardt, he was, he was one of the, the nicest guys I've ever I've met, done. Jim Neidhart. I like yeah. Jim. Jim is terrific. Jim is Jim is is very good. So give us an um, idea of some of the wrestling the wrestlers you refereed for. You wrestle refereed for Hogan. You refereed for Rowdy Piper, right? Yes. I don't think I don't think there's a wrestler that I haven't. Other than you know the new crop of wrestlers, I haven't been around. You know, I finished right. refereeing in two thousand in two thousand and three, but up until two thousand three, mm. whoever wrestled. Almost across the United States, whoever was a wrestler, a legitimate professional wrestler, I refereed them. You uh, you you told me a, you told me a good story um, about Owen Hart. You told me that you refereed Owen Hart's last match, or one of his well, last not matches, his, not his last match, but not his last match, but one of his within it was within a week of before he passed. I refereed him on. A Sunday on the uh, the, uh, the Saturday night, he died on the pay per view, which came out on Sunday. Uh, but I I was the week before uh, that Sunday. I had refereed him, 
Uh, there were a lot of pictures taken, and when he passed away, people sent me a whole load of pictures. Like, you know, do you remember this? Uh, I did a couple of autographings with Bret Hart, and I brought the pictures. And, of course, Bret, I refereed Bret Hart a number of times. Very emotional. A nice guy, Bret Hart. Very nice. Became very emotional when he saw the pictures of his brother and with me, and he rem- he remembered everything. He remembered everybody, and he remembered all the matches because most of the time Owen Hart was on the same card as Bret Hart and stuff. But, uh, yeah, there's I I have very good memories with, with Owen Hart. Um, and all Smith, of uh, Smith, I was gonna say Smith Hart. May he rest in peace. And Smith Hart had a had a had a podcast on this ne- on this network. It was called the Hart Grapevine. And Smith Hart told a lot of stories about Owen. And Smith also said that Owen Hart was his favorite wrestler. Why not? Sure. You know, I sure. I I agree. Um, hey Billy, have you seen any ribs? Can you tell us any good rib stories? Any good what? Ribs. You know how the wrestlers play jokes on each other. Yeah, oh, oh. <laughs> believe me, Mike, I I do, and I but I wouldn't I wouldn't say anything right now on that. That <laughs> these these things could ruin reputations. <laughs> you know, people that you think is a real nice guy, and all of a sudden, oh my God, you no, know, he did that or whatever. No, there, there's. No, we were, we've we've kind of like stuck together on that. I got you. Know, you. Keep, yeah, you keep know, I had Rip. Um, I had Rip Rogers on my show, Ken Patera on my show, um, the Patriot on my show, and those guys told the funniest Rip stories. Um, and and of course, Ken Patera. Ken Patera told me a funny story about um him and Bobby the Brain Heenan. They they would they would go to hotels and they would go to the sixth floor and all of all of a sudden he say we go to room six 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 and uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan would make the funniest jokes every every night um, that they were doing a tour they for some reason they always ended up at six 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 that could happen and again like we you know, talked about Bobby Brain Heenan. You know he was so fast with a, with a joke and, a, and you know practical jokes and and doing jokes and and talking on the microphone, everything came right off the top of his head. I will tell you, you know, this is a, a funny story, but it's it's Ken Patera fighting Bruno Sammartino for the first time at Madison Square Garden, and Ken Patera, of course, we know Ken Patera. Ken Patera at the time, one of the world's strongest men. And when a wrestler picks up another wrestler for a body slam, and you're well aware of it, you know you know about bridging. The wrestler will bridge himself off the knee to assist the wrestler that's helping him with the body slam. Well, Kempatera is so strong, the very first time he picked up Bruno Sammartino for a body slam, Sammartino didn't have to bridge or nothing. Patera whipped him up onto his shoulder that San Martino actually screamed, one of those, woo, you know, type of things. Oh, my God, you know, he didn't expect to move that fast or be up as high as he was that fast, and he came down. And Patera, you know, of course, you you want to lay the guy down. You you know, you want him on your back and everything. But San Martino was just so a little bit afraid with that body slam that he was whipped up so fast. He got used to it because Patera did it like two or three more times during the match. 
But the very first time, all of us that were sitting around ringside and watching the bath and everything, you heard San Martino scream on that. And that's how strong Ken Patera was. You had a lot of strong wrestlers, but Ken Patera is one of the one of the strongest that I've ever seen. Probably and Ken, and Ken, Patera, Ken Patera called us one Ken Patera called us one night and he was also only supposed to do I, I don't know, an hour with us. And he was talking with Smith and we were having such a great time that we 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 did about we did about two and a half hours with him, and he told story after story. He told us a story about Andre the Giant. Andre the Giant was wrestling a newcomer to the World Wrestling Federation, and uh, and it was the Ultimate Warrior. And uh, they were in the they were in the back, and Andre and and uh, Ken Patera was they were playing cribbage, and Ken Patera said, "Gee." How many times have we wrestled, or something like that? And Andre the Giant said, "You know, I put it all together. Um, we we must have wrestled about maybe I don't know with with three man tags, six man tags, all these tags, maybe six hundred times." He said we wrestled against against each other, and he said Andre the Giant. He said Andre the Giant would take everybody out, and he would treat them, and every night he would treat them, treat them. And he said, he talked about what's his name, um, Dusty Rhodes. He said they all went out one time with Dusty, and same thing happened. Well, come to find out that he was treating everybody with Vince McMahon's money. Sure. <laughs> McMahon would give the money to go out, and every night he'd say, "Boss, don't worry, Tommy. me, boss, it's on me." And Ken Patera would say, "Come on, on, you know how Ken, you know how Ken talks. Come on, Andre, you know," and. uh but uh, as far as Ken Patero goes, nice guy. Ken Patero, he's one of the greatest guys in professional wrestling. Again, a, a very, very old dear friend of mine. Um, I've been, well, I've been trying to get in touch with him. Uh, a good friend of ours, uh, Professor Elliot Marin, would always keep me informed when people's birthday. He knew everybody's birthday. He knew everybody's phone number. Unfortunately, he passed away, and uh, I never got... I never got a list or anything like that. So I know I think Ken Patero's birthday, I think, is in October or something. It's coming up. I'd like to give him, wish him, or if you talk to him, please wish him a very happy birthday. Yeah, really I, I could send, I could, uh, I was going to say, I could send uh, your name to a very good friend of mine who's very good friends with him. I know Bob Johnson in Canada is very good friends with, with him. Uh, we, you know, I spoke about Bob. Bob's a great, great guy. Smith yeah. got me, uh, got me to Bob. Um, but all these, but all these, these different wrestling, you know. Now, now we come to the best part. Now, now I, I know for me as a wrestling fan, and also doing a little bit in the business that I could do, you know. After you want to unwind, and Las Vegas is the perfect time, Billy, to unwind. And they have a club there, and uh, a lot of these wrestlers they joined. Um, it's called the Cauliflower Club. Um, I know you and I talked about it, but what's your thought about that? Well, it's, again, it, it, it started out, of course, you know, I'm very familiar with it, and I'm also a member of the Cauliflower Alley Club. Uh, you know, it started, all, uh, it started out years ago by Mike Mazurki, uh, the actor who turned wrestler at the end of his career, and it's his ear, so to speak, that is the replica, that's the insignia for the Cauliflower Alley Club. Mike Mazurki had a huge cauliflower ear from his wrestling days and stuff. Uh, it's it's a great it's a it's a charitable organization. They do their 
You know, they, they have their group meetings and stuff like that. They give out awards to the wrestlers. They give out scholarships and stuff like that. Uh, I'm looking forward. Now Now that I'm really in a retirement mode and stuff like that, uh, I'd like to go out and, uh, you know, I think they have a, a convention meeting or a group meeting, whatever it is, the club meeting, uh, every uh, April into May, I think it is, uh, out in, in Las Vegas, which, of course, is a nice trip to take anyway. But uh, I'd like to do that. I'd like to go out there, hopefully see a lot of people, my old friends. I know B. Brian Blair of the Killer Bees was just elected president, or he's been president for two years now, a year or two. Uh, he's the president of the Cauliflower Alley Club. So I'm looking forward. I, you know, if I, I got the time and everything, I'd really like to go out there. Yeah, uh, Billy, uh, uh, B. Brian Blair was on the uh, was on the show. He called in. Uh, he was on my, 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 uh, my sec- I believe it was my second show he called in. And uh, we talked about the Alley Club. And they do a lot for, for you know, retired referee, uh, wrestlers and referees. Um, yeah, it's, it's yeah. Really, it's really a great, it's really a great um, tradition, and it's a great honor. And every, any, you know, and any, I always tell everybody to go to www.cauliflowerallyclub.org, and you get some different stuff. You get a newsletter. Um, you get to go to the, you know, you get to go to the convention. I, I always call it a convention. It's not, but you get to go to the reunion, and uh, it's it's a great time. And a lot of my friends always talk to me about joining, and I finally joined. And like I said, and I had Magic on the show last week, Magic's a lifetime member. I'm a lifetime member. Um, we decided it was time, um, you know, to, to go and, and enjoy our life, and that's what we're going we're gonna to do down there. Um, well, that's that's terrific. But, that's but, 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 but looking back on your wrestling career, I mean your wrestling yeah. career and everything that you did with wrestling, isn't it great? I went know, a lot. I went not a lot only, when not the, only did when you the, work, I was going to say not only did yeah. you work, but you made a lot of friends. I and I thank everyone for that. I I had a great time. It, you know, I could never ever say I didn't have a good time. You know, I had tough matches. I had stupid matches. I had matches that I made mistakes in, but I learned from them and stuff. And, and you know, and then I was part of some really really great matches, good matchups and stuff like that. Like I said, if the fans, you know, look up on YouTube, look up Billy Computer, you'll find a lot of stuff. But I push off this one on uh, uh, March 17th, 1985. They had me on three wow. of their main matches, and that was and that's you know fun to watch. And uh, yeah, you know, I, I enjoyed I think it. that's on the network as well. I think you can go to the network and check. I think it's on the network. I think I've seen it on the network. Um, well, you know I'm, what? Also, new. Well, I'm I'm just new thinking about, I was just thinking about. I was just thinking about this too. Have you ever refereed midgets? They used to be called midget wrestlers. Sure. I love doing the midgets. I love that. Yeah. Uh, You know, again, I like the, I like, you know, you got to get the enthusiasm. You got to get in, you know, you got to get involved with them. There's so many, you know, different things that they're going to do. I've been involved. I've, I've been the the victim of the old trick of the, the one midget behind me and they push me over. I've been, I've had the midgets all pile on me, you know, jump off the, the well, not the top rope, but the, the middle rope or the yeah. bottom rope, whatever it is, and pile, you know, in the tag match and have all four of them pile yeah. up on me and stuff. I've done it all. I, I've, I've one of my favorite, one of my type. favorite, one of my favorite midgets, midget matches were, and, and the spots were when the referee would count and the other midget would, 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 
you know, pop the other midget up, and he'd land in the referee's arm, and he'd have to throw him down, and little little yep. be little back be and, little be back and forth. Yeah, and we'll, we'll go back and forth on that, and then finally the end is the referee's supposed to throw the midget off to the side. You know, finally had enough. We've done it. That's part, that's part of the show. With a midget. Have you ever have you ever left the Madison Square Garden or any 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 um any arena? Have you ever left and fans were outside wanting your autograph? Yeah. I'm very, very happy to say yes. Yes. I you know, again, the fans are great and you do the good job, they understand. If they you know, they're a true wrestling fan and they understand what it's all about. That that it's two wrestlers in a match plus the referee and they know they know if the referee screwed up. I, I you know, I've left Madison Square Garden. I've left uh, oh, I've left Tokyo. I've left. Uh, we did a show for Tiger Jeet Singh in uh, Heathrow, England, and the hmm. people are there. The other referees were not liked, where they were. Uh, people were pelting them with stuff, throwing anything, and, but and they come up to me and they want my autograph, and that's Tiger Jeet Singh and his son, Tiger Junior. You know, like the way I work. They like the way I handle the people and stuff. And they brought they brought me back to England and even into India a couple of times, and and it just worked out good. You do your job. So you tra- a wrestling fan, so you, a wrestling so fan you appreciates all, you So you traveled all over, and you got to do something that you loved. You got to be the third man in the in the ring, as they say, and and uh, just it's unbelievable. It's it's just unbelievable. I mean. It's, it's something man that, of your you know, caliber on my I, show. Like I, I'm just you. in awe of this because it's something I, oh, I always like. I always loved myself. Wrestling was always a part of a, a part of my life, and and it's always going to be a part of my life. I mean, this is something that I love to do. I mean, I loved since I was little. You know, I got bit by the bug when I was very little, as they say, and you never for, you know you never forget the first time you see a referee, and for me. For me, it was the first time I see the referee outside Madison Square Garden was referee Mike Kyoto, and Mike Kyoto was one of the nicest, nicest guys. And Mike Kyoto, uh, a lot of the other referees were outside one day, and they were telling stories about how they used to set up the ring, and they used to help set up everything. It's just amazing, yeah. you know, how they started. They started like ring, ring crew and stuff. If they do. Uh, any any of the TV wrestling nowadays uh, on the Halloween, or if they do their Halloween show on television, Mike Kyoto wears a long blonde wig, and I get a phone call from from him every single year. He says, "Billy, this is for you." He says he's just trying to to look like me with the blonde hair. That's, that's, that was that's, my you know, that was my uh, gimmick. That's a, nice. I had you long know, blonde you hair. Know what? I was going to tell you, too, you know who remembered you and liked you? I know because him and I talked about this a while ago. Matt Stryker. Oh, well, Matt Stryker. Matt Stryker, is a, he's, a, he's a great guy. He's a terrific guy. He's really got a, a terrific job now uh, doing the, the color commentating on Lucha Underground uh, wrestling that comes out of the lo- uh, southern part of California. Uh, every week they're on, and if you ever get a chance, or any of your fans uh, that listen to this, uh, you know, watch Lucha Underground. It, it's a group. It's wrestling. Yeah, I, I, uh, I started watching. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's very non- interesting. Interesting. 
Yeah, that was my yeah. next question to you. Uh, was about wrestling. Do you still watch the WWE or or something like that, or maybe oh, yes. TNA, oh, or yes. maybe yep. Not not on the, as regular as I used to. A lot of times now, <laughs> I have grandchildren. I have uh, you know the the kids are all getting bigger and stuff, and Grandpa, you know. Is he coming over and let you know stay overnight? You know, my kids are, are scattered around um, the United States and stuff. I, they're all over the place: Pennsylvania, Hawaii. Oh my God! <laughs> and, and all over, all over, Manhattan, everything. That's great. Grandpa, That's great. You know, Grandpa you know? comes to visit. That's... Grandpa's got to stay. But I, I TiVo a lot and try and watch it as often as I can. But I, you know, I TiVo again. I TiVo the Lucha Underground. When I get a chance to watch it, and I'm 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 in awe of some of the moves and stuff that they that they use and that they do there, and how good it's and again it's nonstop and it's a it's a very good, interesting promotion. And when uh, yeah, they, I, they even I like them, it. I, I, I watch it. Something. I like it. Um, I forgot to ask you this. Going back to the McMahon family, um, have you met Shane? You've met Shane and Stephanie. That's what I meant to ask. You. Well, I met I met them as far as uh, again, you know, I wasn't refereeing at the time when I was an inspector. They were all, you know, again, the family is always there. Vince, you know, Vince is always there. Uh, the father was always at the shows up, you know, of course, obviously until he passed away. But Shane and Stephanie were there as kids growing up. I saw them growing up and stuff. And they were learning wow. the business. They, you know, they yeah. they didn't just, you know, come out on onto the stage and here we are. They learned everything about the business. They learned how to work the business. They learned how to talk on the microphones and stuff, all from their father, all from the old man. And they, they're, you know, they're terrific. And again, you right. see and how then, good it is. And then, of course, uh, and then of course, um, Triple H, Paul Levesque, he, he ends up marrying Stephanie. And, you know, he has the brains for the business and, and things are going great with him. He's doing NXT. Uh, you know, he's got NXT going, he's got all these different platforms going. And to me, to me, you need a good family that's behind it. And I think the McMahons are great. I think, I mean, me personally, I've met Triple H, nice guy. I was going to say nice guy. I've met Stephanie, nice woman. I've met Bruce Pritchard. Bruce Pritchard is a, a, a nice guy. I've met a lot of these guys that work for the WWF or E, and they're great people. I mean, that this company right here, they have their own network. They have their 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 own pay per views. They they have a lot of great talent, you know. And and you know, and I'm proud of a lot of people that I know. You know, that's another thing. Everybody thinks it's a joke about independent, but a lot of these guys come from independent wrestling. Well, that's how you got to start. You know, basically, you're trained, you're learning, you know, you take a fall. Not everybody can go right out there and take a bump, you know. People people don't want to feel it, you know, with the new guys. But, uh, oh, there's, there's, you know, there's so many. There's a lot of wrestling schools. There's a lot of information out there. If anybody wants to become a professional wrestler, there's so much information. My idea with everybody, my, my suggestion is uh, to these people, go to the wrestling shows. Talk to the promoters. Talk to the matchmakers. See how they develop it. See how you develop a wrestler. Talk to the people. Go see independent shows. An independent show is terrific. A lot of people don't understand an independent show in their area 
They want to go there and they think, oh, my God, we're going to see John Cena. We're going to see Roman Reigns. No, you're not going to see them. You know, you've got to go to Madison Square Garden or something like that to see them. But go to the <laughs> yeah, you're gonna, yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna go there. Roman you know, you know Magic, I was going to say, Magic called me up one night and said, we're going to go, he goes, we're going to TNA. I said, where? He goes, we're going to the ballpark because my last student, and it's true, Magic's last student, the guy I worked with, really well uh, when, when we were doing it here. He, he got involved with LAX. They have that Latin exchange. And when we went, uh, when we went I, I actually won a backstage pass to go meet some of the wrestlers. And when we went back there, we saw Loki and, of course, you know, Homicide. And they go, bro, what, is Magic here? <laughs> Magic here? I was like, yeah. And I had Magic's son with me. And, and I said, this is Magic's son. And they were like, wow, that's, you know, Mikey, that's crazy. But, you know, the whole point is I got to meet people that we knew, but then I got to go outside and watch them wrestle. I mean, to me, that's just the uh, the greatest accomplishment to, to, to do that, you know? Of course, of course. You start out as you, a You get honored you get by it. You get honored you by it. it. You're, you, you, know, you, know, you love it. I mentioned, I mentioned you know. before that the, my favorite wrestler growing up was, was Nature Boy Buddy Rogers. And unfortunately, he retired when I became a referee. But luckily, wow. uh, they had that feud on WWE between Jimmy Snuka and Lou Albano. And they started doing the wrestling that they started doing tag teams with G- uh, Jimmy Snuka was teaming up with Buddy Rogers. And Lou Albano, I think he was teaming up with Roddy Piper at the time. And that was going up and down the East Coast. And I was lucky enough, they had asked for me. And I, and I refereed Buddy Rogers. You know, he didn't do much in the ring and stuff. But, you know, my idol growing up and just being in the ring with Buddy Rogers, I was thrilled to death. I was, the first time I did it, I was tongue-tied. I was just, you know, in awe of everybody. But, again, you, you yeah, know, you're a fan. Buddy, uh, Buddy Rogers. Buddy, and, I was going to say, Buddy Rogers was the end-all, be-all to, to eventually what Ric Flair became, you know, the nature boy. You know, Buddy Rogers well, had his yeah. own. Buddy Rogers had his own way, and uh, him and Bruno San Martino grew really big for the W W. I think it was three W's at the time. Yeah. W W F. Buddy Rogers won the NWA Championship from Pat O'Connor, and you know, yeah. Again, you're going way back. Again, you know, with that, but and I used to watch that on TV. So, you know, being now being a part of that now with that. When the NWA, you know, sold out franchise and stuff, and they and this, the organization that bought the franchise, asked me to be their commissioner. And of course, you know, that's you know, it's a great, it's a title job and everything like that. But I get to speak to the people, I get to meet the people, and I go. And these are NWA sanctioned shows. You know, they're all under. You know, they still have the old NWA belt with the with the big globe on it and everything. And it was, and it, it's a thrill for me to, to do that and get involved with that. But we'll see what happens again with that because now, you know, franchises have gone out and now franchises are, are not being renewed after a year or two. So we'll see what's going on with that, you know. And I wish. Yeah, I, I hope so because really I, was say, I, I, I hope so because I like the uh, NWA. I always watched NWA. Uh, when I was growing up, Tommy Young. You remember Tommy Young? Tommy Young used to sure. be a referee. Sure. Tommy Young was one of my one of my favorites and one of the people I copied again I copied 
my slide. I would slide, you know, across the ring to uh, make a count. Not so much the final count, but any time when the wrestlers were on one side and I was on the other side, I would slide across the ring just like Tommy Young. The only thing is he would slide across and count on his left side. He was right-handed, but he would slide across the ring and count with his left hand. I can't do that. (laughs) I have to raise my right hand. But I copied, uh, that, I that, a little that, bit that, of everybody. That's great. If anybody wants to check out the NWA, just go to www.ringside.nwaondemand.com. You know, they have their own, they, they put together their own, um, like, little network and stuff. And I've seen Andre the Giant versus Harley Race. I've seen, um, I've seen different, uh, different stuff. But they, but, oh, you know, yeah. we we yeah. had on on the show we had the monster of uh, the Tokyo Monster, Carhagas was on the um, yes, was yes. on the show. I've had him on the show. With, I was just with him last Saturday night. I was with him last Saturday night, uh, and I've, I met I've him had another guy uh, too that I, that I had on my show too. That's okay. I've had a I've had Andrew Anderson on the show. He's all right. <laughs> He's all right. <laughs> oh, he's all right because he likes, that's he he likes, he likes a lot of pictures. Look at look at Andrew Anderson's uh, web page because he keeps sending me stuff, you know. And of, and I'm on Facebook now. If anybody's, in, I have never been on Facebook at all. But uh, my <laughs> daughter said, "All right, listen, you you're you're in a relaxation type of your life. Relax, read up on different things." So my daughter has put me on Facebook. So if anybody wants to chat with me or see some old pictures and stuff like that, they look up. Billy Caputo, referee on Facebook, and and I'll be I'll be there. I'll be happy to answer with answer you and, oh, and talk man. to you. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say that that's great. Now, didn't you didn't you give didn't you give a referee shirt or something? Don't you have some of your memorabilia up in uh, the um, the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame as well? I I do I do. When I retired when I retired in two thousand three, uh, Tony Villano, who was the president of the of that group. And um, Mike, I can't say his partner Mike called me up. I, you know, again, uh, they find out about everything. They know. I don't. I didn't know these people, but I retired, and and announcements went out or anything. You know that I retired. They got in touch with me. Would I mind, you know, sending some stuff for the Hall of Fame up there? And I donated. I donated a shirt and 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 some boots and. Uh, some pictures and stuff, and from what I understand, it's it's been on display all the time. And when they moved to Wichita Falls, they took everything from Amsterdam down to Wichita Falls, and I'm now on display down there. I'd like to go there again with free time. We're we're looking at that. We're looking at um, uh, the Cauliflower Alley Club again uh, next year. And uh, if anybody is in that area or any stuff like that, please go in there. They they have a tremendous amount of stuff, tremendous amount. Going way yeah, back you gotta you gotta be a big. I was gonna say you gotta be a big wrestling fan to appreciate all the wrestling stuff. Um, I I I just got an email actually a second ago, and and it and, and it, it says that that uh, Johnny Mantel and uh, Tony Volano uh they might be interested in doing my podcast so. That'd be fantastic. Please, I worked, uh, I, 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 I worked with them a couple of years ago doing the doing the podcast with Smith, and uh, I sat in on that and listening to the history and who's in the Hall of Fame. That's just great itself. Sure. Well, like I said, to promote myself. Next time you talk to them, tell them. <laughs> you, you know, how about Billy Caputo? 
Yeah, I, I, uh, I shot him an email. I was going to say I shot them an email today, but if I have him on my podcast, Billy, your name, of course, is going to be mentioned yeah. because you're a, you're a great guy. You're, you were a great referee. You did great with the Athletic State Commission. There's just so much we could say about you, Billy, and, and, and it's just amazing. You know, you're a humble person. You're a great guy. You, you know, you decided to come on my show, which is nice. And I always told Magic that I was going to have you on my show when I got in touch with you. And I'm glad that you came on, Billy. It was great talking to you. The yeah. memories, when I hear you talk about the wrestling and the passion, it just gets me amped up. It really does. It gets well, me it, excited it, like because I, said, I love wrestling, that I, you know. That I, wanted, that I wanted to do. I love doing it. I still remember, and I love talking about it. Michael, I appreciate you taking the time with me tonight. Uh, good luck with your with your podcasting business. Again, I'm new to all this stuff. Hope it works yeah. out for you. Yeah, anytime, no, it's been, I've been, I've been with this company together. now. Oh, and by the way, the owner of the company, listen to the owner. The owner of the company is a man by the name of Bay, Bay Ragney. He used to be Chubby Dudley at ECW. Right, right. Yep, yep. Too I'm many Dudley. They always say too many Dudleys. But Chubby Dudley yeah. was one of the funniest Dudleys, and we all love Chubby. And now he's, like yeah. I said, Bay Ragney owns Totally Driven Radio Entertainment Network. And after the show, I will post the um, I will post the podcast. So if your family or anybody wants to listen to it, I'll post a link to your Facebook after we're done. I posted a link today to your Facebook so people can see, you know, you're going to be on the show. But if anybody wants to listen to the to the show tonight, you could just easily uh, easily um, check out the link or go to blogtalkradio.com. Billy, I want to thank you, buddy. Uh, we got to get together. We got to get to. We got to get lunch one day. There you go. That's a good way. All right, Michael. Again, thank you so much for everything. You take care of yourself. Billy, Billy, uh, you. one more time. If you want to plug whatever you want to plug, it's on you. You can plug whatever no, you want no, to plug. I, I plug myself enough. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Thank you, Michael. Well, Billy, Billy, the Billy, the genius. You now you came on the show and said, you know what? I got to plug everything. There you go. Uh, I love there it. I love it, Billy. Hey, it. Billy, take care. Thank I love you, brother. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Bye-bye now. All right. Bye-bye, Billy. Oh, my God. That was Billy Caputo. This is Pro Wrestling Now. I'm on with Magic Mike Ferrara. I'm like a kid. Episode number 107. I'm like a kid on Christmas morning uh, that discovered Billy Caputo. Great guy. Um, just loves talking about the business. And, 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 uh, and everybody, get to the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame and vote them in. You know, referees are on the ballot. I mean, you know, I, I, I got his name, and I wrote it in. So uh, hopefully we'll get a re- response back. And, uh, oh, man. But we got some business uh, to talk about. We're going to take a commercial break, Bills. But before we do that, before we do that, uh, before we do that, let me see here. I got some business to attend. Uh, again, I want to thank Billy for coming on the show. Billy is a great guy, and we love, uh, we all love Billy Caputo. On the unbelievable, unbelievable uh, guy. Loves the business, like I said. 
All right, now, now uh, like I was saying, we're going to take a commercial break, which we have a proud new sponsor of Totally Driven Entertainment. He's funny. He's wacky. He's crazy. And he is totally driven. Check out ChrisFrailyPresents.com. Hi, black man. Baby man dies. One stereotype at a time. To the black To the corner of Martin Luther King Street and Malcolm X Boulevard, pronto. Will black man make it to the crime on time? Or will he be on CPT? Stay tuned at ChrisFrailyPresents.com. Attention business owners, website owners, event promoters, or anyone looking to promote your product. The Totally Driven Entertainment Radio Network is the perfect way to spread the word of your business around the world. That's right. You can advertise at our network and be played on all of our shows at rates that are so cheap. It's a no-brainer. For more information, contact Bay Ragney at bayragney at gmail.com. To keep your business driven, stay driven with Totally Driven Entertainment. Are you a fan of Sherlock Holmes? Letters from Holmes offers unique, one-of-a-kind letters from the world-famous detective himself. Handwritten on 8.5-inch by 11-inch aged parchment paper and using smudge-free ink to produce original, high-quality letters that fans will treasure for years to come. Each letter is handcrafted and written from the perspective of Sherlock Holmes, mimicking Holmes's native tongue and embracing many of the famous detective's quirks, quips, insults and peculiarities. Order a love letter, birthday greeting, personal correspondence or more only at www.etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash letters from homes. For $5 today, you can buy a wealth of things. Gas for your car, rent a movie for the family, a few slices of pizza. $5 still takes you a long ways. But did you know that $5 can buy your child a bag of heroin in the streets? That's right. For only $5, your son or daughter can buy some of the cheapest and purest dope in the country. Be aware of the lies. Be aware of the stealing. Be aware that's all it takes to kill your child. $5. This message was brought to you by Casey's Cause, a group of parents located in southern Chester County out to save your child's life. Come join us today at www.caseyscause.com. And remember, $5 is all it takes. Casey's Cause, www.caseyscause.com. Looking for that perfect gift for your girlfriend? Then look no further than Teddy Scares. Teddy Scares are available in a variety of styles, sizes, and prices for all your shopping needs. Teddy Scares are a mix of cute and creepy to make a great gift for almost any age. Board up your windows, lock your doors, and log on to teddyscares.com. And be sure to become our friends at facebook.com slash teddyscares. Calling all comic book fans. Do you collect comics? Did you ever collect comics? Do you think your children might like reading comic books? Do you even know they still print real, paper, non-digital comic books? Well, then visit the Pirates of Ontario Street Comics in Philadelphia. We have a massive collection of comic books, action figures, trading cards, and much more. We have one of the largest stocks of back-issue comics in the area. We bag and board every new comic book at no extra charge. Our store is voted the best comic book shop in the 2013 PHL 17 Hot List Contest. Part of the movie Unbreakable is filmed in our store. We are open seven days a week. Ontario Street Comics is located at 2235 East Ontario Street in the Port Richmond section of Philly. 
Our phone number is 215-288-7338. Type in the words Ontario Comics Philadelphia to check out our Wacky Stories page on Facebook. Everybody, we're back. Welcome back to, to Pro Wrestling Now and More with Magic Mike Ferrara. Number episode number 107. All right, so now it's time for the NFL part of the show. And uh, I just want to let everybody know that the Buffalo Bills defeated the Denver Broncos. So people that had a problem with that, <laughs> I got two words for you. Bills win, baby. Well, Bills win. Anyway, the Bills, uh, 26-16, impressive win over the Broncos. Great week of football. Excellent Sunday. My Sunday was made, so. <sighs> very, very, obviously very happy, as everybody could tell. And, uh, you know, we're onward and upwards. Uh, this week, the Buffalo Bills have to, um, have to play the Falcons. And uh, you know, I did tell uh, I did tell my friend, one of my good friends, if he's listening, I told him that we're going to make Atlanta a hook pitch. I don't think we we could do that, but you never know. But Tyrod Taylor passed for 213 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, Tyrod had 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 a funny moment with Mr. Von Miller, who pretended to help him up off the field, and uh, he, he didn't do that. So, If anybody would have thought that Buffalo would have beaten, and I didn't even think that Buffalo was going to beat the Broncos, but it happened, uh, and I'm excited. Uh, let's go over my my picks this week. We could do that. My my picks for week, uh, week three. I had... Nine right and seven wrong. Um, I picked um, L.A. Rams, L.A. one. Baltimore versus Miami, I mean Jacksonville. Uh, one person picked Jacksonville. I picked Baltimore, I was wrong. Uh, I picked Atlanta, I was right. I picked Indianapolis, I was right. Philly, I was right. Minnesota, I was right. But then Pittsburgh, wrong. 
Um, Miami wrong. Uh, I picked Miami. I figured they would win. Mr. Mojo, if you're listening, why don't you call the show and tell us what happened? You were there at the stadium. Uh, Carolina, Denver, wrong. Uh, New England, right. Um, Tennessee, right. Green Bay, right. Kansas City, right. Um, Oakland, wrong. And Dallas, right. So, there you go. So, my record for so far for the year, my overall record so far is 28 wins and 19 losses. So, that's not too bad. So, I, I'm actually excited um, for myself. For myself, But, yeah. So, if Mr. Mojo wants to call in uh, Mojo Sports Show on this network on Saturdays, 9 a.m., feel free to call in because I want to hear every excuse. I love you, buddy. You know, I love you, buddy. But I want to hear what's going on in your head. Uh, you were at the game. I wasn't. I was here at the studio. Why, at the Notwood for Life Studios. That's where we're, we're, we're coming to you live from. So. <laughs> I want to give a shout-out to a very special lady. Her name's Ruth Cortez. And I want to give a shout-out to her. I know she's listening. I just want to say hello, Ruth, and I'll talk to you soon. And, uh, yeah, so, yeah, I I said it. I said it. Hope you heard it. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, I want to talk a little bit, a bit about um, the protest and, and my thoughts on this. And uh, something that happened this week, um, more and more um, football players, They protested. And the reason why they protested was because Donald Trump, the president, called them SOBs. I'm very much against kneeling and very much against, um, you know, protesting the national anthem. But I'm very much against the president of the United States doing that. You know, Donald Trump should just keep his mouth shut and and not worry about what's going to happen because you you upset people is what you did. And that's the only reason why they're protesting is because of now more and more football players are doing it now because of what the president did. Look, it's simple. If I want to watch politics, I'll just turn on the politics channel. If I want to watch sports, I'll turn on my sports channel. Um, Football became politics. It's sad. I love football, and I'll, I'll always love football. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I think that, that protesting is wrong, and guys should not do it. So stop protesting and, and play football, you know. Get back to the simple things in life, like football. It, it, it's simple. It, it's fun. It's simple. It's fun. But, yeah, let's talk about the um, – Let's talk about week two, week three. Oh, I gotta give my picks for week four. So let's do that. Let's let's give my picks um, for week for week four. Um, Chicago at Green Bay. I pick Green Bay. Um, New Orleans at Miami. I pick Miami. Tennessee at Houston. I pick Houston. Cincinnati at Cleveland. I pick Cleveland. Uh, Detroit, Minnesota, I pick Minnesota. 
Buffalo and Atlanta, I pick Buffalo. Because I think Buffalo is going to shock the hell out of people. I think Buffalo is going to win. I think people are crazy, but I think that's going to happen. Pittsburgh or Baltimore, I pick, pick Pittsburgh. Um, the uh, L.A. Uh, Rams um, at Dallas, I pick Dallas. Um, the um, Jacksonville uh, Jaguars at the Jets, I pick the Jets. Carolina at New England, I pick New England. Um, Philadelphia at um, at the L.A. Chargers, I pick Philadelphia. San Francisco at Arizona, I picked Arizona. Um, New York Giants at Tampa Bay, I picked Tampa Bay. I just think the Giants are awful. I think the Giants don't don't have a win uh, yet, so it's going to come down to, to everything. Oakland at Denver, I picked Denver. Um, Indianapolis at Seattle, I picked Seattle. Washington at Kansas City, I picked Kansas City. So those are my picks. And that's who I think is going to uh, is going to win. So, come on, people! You you actually think that I don't know what I'm talking about? This is football, baby. Um, so let's go over the the, the scores. Um, the uh, the Forty Niners they lost to the Rams, forty-one to thirty-nine. Um, Jaguars trampled trampled in England. The Ravens. I watched that game in the morning on Yahoo.com. 44-7. The uh, Colts defeated the Browns 31-28. The the Eagles defeated the Giants 27-24. Shout out to Bay Ragney. Shout out to Chris Kelly. Shout out to everybody that loves the the Giants. I mean the Eagles, sorry. you know, Mr. Mojo, 20-6. to six. Really? Dolphins lost to the Jets, who stink. 26-16, the Buffalo Bills over the Broncos. 34-13 uh, um, over the Panthers, which is disgusting. But you know what? I'm happy about that. I can't stand the Panthers. Um, the, the Steelers, 17. They lost to the Bears, 23-17. Um, the Falcons, 3-0. and they beat the Lions 30-26. Um, the Vikings, 2-1. They beat the Buccaneers 34-17. Um, the Patriots, 36. They came back. Um, they won Tom Brady. Great, great quarterback. 36-33. Um, Titans, 33-27. to um, Packers, 27-24 to over the Bengals. The Kansas City Chiefs, 24 uh, to 10 over the Chargers. And uh, how about those Cowboys, 28-17 over the the Cardinals. And the Raiders lost to um, the Redskins, 27-10. So a a lot of fans of the teams, you know, A lot of um, I was gonna say a lot of a lot of stuff going uh, going down. So excuse me for everything uh, like that. I was answering a uh, an email, but um, a lot of stuff going down with the NFL. Uh, if, if you guys haven't checked out the football season, it's getting really good. A lot of moves are being made. So 
so yeah, so that 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 that's kind of where we're at now with the NFL and wrestling. Well, we just did like an hour and a half with Mr. Billy Caputo. I want to thank Mr. Billy Caputo for coming on the show and giving us some time. Um, it's just an excellent thing. Oh, by the way, if you guys love wrestling, you will love this. www.aovacations.com. Um, uh, what do you call it? You, you, your land and your cruise experts. 2018 Afterglow Cruise. Uh, I mentioned the Glow Girls were on my show. They're doing a Norwegian breakaway, uh, Norwegian uh, cruise line, departing from New York City on Sunday, March um, 4th, and a seven-night trip going to the Bahamas. And they're going to be visiting New York City, Port Canaveral, Great Stirrups, Cay, Nassau, and they're going all over the place. So go and get your uh, stuff right now. I am going to have a gold girl on but not tonight, a couple of um, weeks probably, maybe two weeks. I I, I reached out to a couple of them, and, you know, they weren't able to be on the show tonight, but they'll be on the show next time to talk about wrestling and what they've been up to. Um, Because, you know, we did a big show with them not too long ago, ago. But, yeah, it's just a great show tonight. I want to thank everybody that's a part of the show. I want to thank Bay Ragney. I want to thank Mr. Mojo. I want to thank Dallas uh, Duco. I want to thank all these guys. I want to thank everybody from Totally Driven Radio Entertainment Network. Because without you guys, I would have no show. So I got to thank you. This is my 107, and I love this, this station, and I love the show. Uh, but that's all I got tonight, guys. I'm going to end the show. Um, I want to thank everybody, uh, all the supporters, all the fans, um, everybody that listens to the show. Keep on listening. We're only getting bigger. We're getting better. We're getting better, baby. We're here. Um, you know, so, so I'm going to leave you with this and so long. Bye-bye. Farewell. Until next time, until you hear the bell. Pro Wrestling Now and more. With Magic Mike Ferrara, episode number 107. Here you go. Radio Nowhere.